Blog Talk Radio. Learn how to take your caring and giving farther with the Caring and Funding Podcast powered by Cap America. Cap America, America's leader in cross-border philanthropy, helps corporations, foundations, wealth advisors, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grants management program and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact and ensure their gifts are made in a safe and effective manner. This caring and funding podcast is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. Our guests are leaders in their field who join us to share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of CAF America. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at capamerica.org, on iTunes, and now just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of CAF America's Caring and Funding Podcast, Ted Hart. And welcome to this latest edition of the Caring and Funding Podcast. Uh, with me here today is Holly Wells-Stubbing, uh, who is a nationally recognized nonprofit leader and charitable tax expert adv- advising business impact and investments in social enterprise. She serves as executive vice president and in-house counsel for the very important foundation for the Carolinas. She is also currently serving as interim CEO of E4E Relief, the leading provider of employee disaster and hardship relief funds to corporations across the United States. And welcome here to the Caring and Funding Podcast, Holly Stubbing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here today. Holly, our topic here today, and and again, we've invited you here today because you are an expert in employee disaster and hardship relief funds. Following September 11th, the IRS completely changed the process through which employers can help support their employees when they find themselves to be at times of disaster or in hardship relief. Help us understand what happened at that time and what the IRS changed. Great. Um, I'm happy to share that story with you. It was a formative time for disaster relief in this country and outside this country and really is the um, starting for, you know, delving deeply into grant making to individuals. Um, at 9-11, uh, our foundation, which is in North Carolina, um, had significant impact from, from employees that lost their lives in, in the 9-11 tragedy. And um, C-suite executives in the city wanted to find a way to support um, families uh, and individuals who had lost their lives. And so stepping back from um, that, there really was not a pathway prior to 9-11, and the IRS uh, legislators, others stepped forward and said, how can we create an environment to help support people in um, these catastrophic uh, and otherwise personal hardship events? And so, you know, employee relief uh, was born um, out of that concept, and we were able to set up funds um, employee relief funds for the benefit of employees of corporations who wanted to have, um, you know, a way to help their people. And so we learned a lot of best practices during that time about how to do employee relief and how to do it well. Now, of course, uh, 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 Holly, employers could just give money to their employees, 
But the, the issue there is then they're creating a taxable event for their employees who are already dealing with disaster and hardship. So really a well-caring, well-managed uh, corporation that truly wants to help their employees really doesn't want to then create the extra burden of additional tax that they owe to the IRS. So my, my understanding is the IRS creates uh, this new process through which uh, qualified disaster payments and hardship payments can be made to employees, but it has to be done just right, Holly. They, you have to, you can't just declare it and say, I'm doing this and transfer the money. You have to follow certain rules. So I want to share with you some of what I've learned from the IRS and then have you help us understand how E4E Relief has now made a very complex process a simple process for employers to do the right thing for their employees. So my understanding is that there has to be a charitable class. So there has to be a class of beneficiaries Correct. that is uh, large and, and indefinite in that you can't say, I want to give money to that employee, That's but correct. instead you create a class. The recipients are then selected on an objective basis and so that's, again, where your organization comes in to make sure that this can't be a biased program. If you're going to make it available to your employees, all your employees must be uh, covered. There has to be a selection process of an independent selection committee or adequate program that is in place that, again, provides for that impartiality. Um, and then having met that process, and this is sort of the crux of what we really want to talk about today, uh, is that, you know, again, well-managed organizations that want to do the right thing for their employees at time of, let's call it maximum stress. Okay, you've got hardship, you have disaster. By setting it up correctly, which we want to talk about on this podcast today, what happens? The, the, the gifts that are made are then treated at, for charitable purposes. So they don't become a taxable event for the, the employee. So and, and all of this has to be done in advance of the, the tragedy or, or, or the loss. So for all of our listeners today, now is the time to begin exploring this. Right. You don't want to be trying to put all of this together when there is a disaster because you want to make sure that every – T is crossed, every I is dotted to make sure that this is done right. So let's break this down. So um, the first thing that uh, your organization, E4E Relief, is going to do for an employer is to help them identify what is the class of beneficiaries. Walk us through how that conversation normally is going to take place. Sure. Um, we, in, in the beginning, we help uh, companies design their programs, design their eligibility requirements, um, talk about legal structure for the program. Uh, one of the things that's really important that you referenced earlier is a qualified disaster, a presidentially qualified disaster versus a regular government declared versus just a personal disaster. What the idea of this fund or this program does for a company is allow all three of those things to be eligible recipients from a tax exempt or tax qualifying event perspective. And that's very important because a corporate private foundation can award some grants in a qualified disaster but cannot award others. And what you find is that employers get into the parsing of these things and it becomes a very arduous process for them to determine which ones they can and can't do. And so this program and the design of the program if done correctly from an eligibility perspective will allow them to make grants in all of those instances 
um, and meet all the requirements of the Internal Revenue Service. Having a qualified program of this sort that's uh, pre-established and, and, and put in place with E4E relief takes away that guesswork of maybe it's tax exempt, maybe it's not tax exempt, right. maybe we called it right, maybe we didn't call it right. And for the and the corporations that are listening today need to understand that if it doesn't qualify, um, it could be seen as potential self-dealing for your foundation if the rules weren't followed correctly. So again, back to setting it up in advance, having the program in place. Okay. So the, the second part of this is that objective uh, selection process. Talk to us about A, why that's important, and B, how would you do that? Great. So the, the objective determination of need, determining whether there was a qualifying event, and determining what happened to you and what qualifying expenses you have is our expertise. It is what we've built our systems, our technology, our know-how around, um, looking at each individual case as the IRS requires, and determining on an objective basis, you know, what the application process should be and how that decisioning should work and then thusly how the disbursement should happen. Um, all of those things are included in the disaster relief publications the IRS produces and is essentially best practice for working in this industry if you want to be an impartial third-party provider in doing it. Um, one of the things I would say, going back to your earlier point about readiness, um, you know, not only do we need to be thinking about our qualifications and our le the legal ramifications, but we also need to think about as a company the C-suite being ready to protect its most important asset, and that's its employees, when something happens. What you find is that um, large global companies, mid-sized companies, small companies all have business continuity and disaster plans to protect their physical assets and keep their businesses running, but often what keeps their businesses running are people, and those people are your, really your readiness plan in this employee relief context, so that to the extent that you can get it set up early and meet these eligibility requirements you're referring to and get through all of that, you will be ready when the next thing happens. Mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, you you uh, mentioned that uh, an IRS document there, for those of us, uh, those of you who are listening and want to look at sort of some independent documentation on this, the IRS has put out a uh, document entitled Disaster Relief, providing assistance through charitable organizations. So let's, and that, that's a great read as uh, is sort of preparing for a conversation with E4E for Relief. So let, let's now turn our attention to what is E4E Relief, because uh, as this document from the IRS that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, referencing here, speaks to is you're a charitable organization. So the, one of the reasons that you're able to do this um, is because you are a charitable organization. But tell us about E4E Relief. What is it and how have you developed the kind of expertise that allows you to help corporations prepare for this kind of relief? Great. Well, E4E Relief um, is a nonprofit organization that provides um, humanitarian assistance to uh, corporate employees and others around the world. Um, we are providing grants uh, for a variety of things, but um, mostly qualified disasters and personal hardships. And we have provided nearly 60 million in grants in the last 10 years, um, and we've taken in um, some close to 70 million in gifts um, in that same time frame. 
and that has manifested itself in uh, tens of thousands of grants to employees. Right now we have uh, nearly 2 million employees that we are sort of serving, if you will, in this capacity, um, and 50 companies that we're doing this for. Uh, all across the board in terms of size. Some are small companies, some mid-sized, and some very large companies, uh, global companies. And so that's why the relationship with CAP America is so important to us. Yeah, and we do want to talk about um, the expertise that CAF America brings to this picture. So um, in a traditional sense, you might view this as sort of a very U.S.-centric sort of activity. However, many corporations have employees around the world and disasters uh, of this sort are not just uh, focused on U.S. employees with U.S. disasters. So talk to us about what you're seeing as the trend in the marketplace where more and more employers are coming to you and saying, we're not looking to just provide support to our employees in the United States, but we care about our employees around the world as well. So how does that work, and then what brought you to CAF America? So, yeah, I mean, this is sort of a U.S.-centered philanthropy idea that um, – typically headquartered, U.S. headquartered companies, but their global firms are really embracing. And the reason they're, they're expanding their footprint accordingly is because they, they want to support all of their team members. They, they see their team members outside the United States the same way they see those in the United States. Also in the environment we're in, particularly with millennials and their interest in philanthropy, this idea of peer-to-peer -peer support mm -hmm. is incredibly important in the workplace. And so this uh, idea of the Employee Relief Fund combines sort of an on-trend philanthropy item in the sense there's peer-to-peer -peer support and fundraising, and then there's sort of best-in-class on the way out the door in terms of grant-making. Um, also, you know, as climate change happens in our society and in our world, we we see the C-suite saying, gee, you know, these these climate events are really impacting our people in different ways than they used to 20 years ago. And this seems like a component that may be a necessary part of thinking of, an, of the totality of an employee benefit. It's not a benefit under the Internal Revenue Service, but it is the idea of employee engagement mm -hmm. and peer-to-peer -peer fundraising and philanthropy is a way of, of um, you know, getting people back to work, feeling good about each other, working together to solve a problem, all of those things that, you know, employers love to do in, with their employees. In a lot of ways, this kind of program uh, should be stacking up for, for C-suite folks alongside every other kind of insurance program that you have in place. You have those programs in place so that you have the coverage that you need when you need it. You pre-fund those, those programs so that when it happens, you're not scrambling to try to do things on your own. You have experts who are immediately able to then swing into action. So talk to us just about the, the sort of insurance factor of uh, corporations that are listening to this podcast who have uh, uh, been thinking about doing this kind of work. Why is it important to contact you now? Yeah, I, this is just an incredibly important time to think about this because what's happening is that employee relief kind of pulls together your, your CSR teams, your HR teams, 
um, your talent from your community affairs and kind of puts that all together and says, gee, you know, this is solving a variety of things for our company. We're not only, you know, giving our employees a way to engage with one another during a disaster, but we are in fact helping the human resources department um, with an impartial third-party solution that gets them additional capacity mm -hmm. and answers a lot of the questions that have come up for them in the process. Um, you know, as far as the readiness aspect of it and the, quote, insurance piece of it, you know, I think what you find if you talk to HR, you know, leaders is that they face just a variety of issues with their employees around hardships, everything from the house burning down to the cancer victim to the catastrophic disaster like 9-11 or some major hurricane like Hurricane Sandy. And so, and then they find themselves in the middle of these situations in a way that I don't think the company necessarily anticipated. And this offers an opportunity for them to have a ready-made solution that's turnkey, that is already established, and flows through in a way that sort of meets all the best-in-class requirements of corporate America right now in, you know, uh, confidentiality, data privacy, um, mobile, you know, enabled, you know, all those things. If you're standing in four feet of water or you're standing in front of your house that's been taken down by a tornado, that there is a compassionate company behind you giving you a relatively quick, um, as quick as possible under IRS regs solution um, that meets your needs. And, and meets where you are. I mean, that, that you, where you, you, are. you might not be able to get to a fax machine. You might not be able to get to your 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 desktop, but you, from your mobile system. So you need a partner that has the systems that are going to work in all sorts of disaster um, situ situations. But the other thing that I want to before we, we're going to take a quick break. But before we go on on break, I just want you to speak to this issue that there is a compassionate side. Uh, to this, there is a sort of being the, the the nice guys and the nice women in the C-suite that you're doing this. But there's a hard-nosed business reason to do this and to plan ahead, and that is your talent that you have been investing in and you have been training is now no longer going to be available to your corporation. So doing this, doing this early and making sure that this is in place is also a hard-nosed business decision to help your people get back on their feet and get back to work. So there's two, two sides to this coin, is that right? That's right. We know from recent research um, on um, employee relief, sort of the first of its kind research released this year, that workers report that they are grateful and relieved. They're more connected to their employer and to each other. They're better able to maintain financial health, and they have positive impacts on job, job performance. And in fact, 72% um, of those surveys said that they're more likely to stay at the company because of this kind of program. And every employer knows it is far more expensive to go find a new employee, right. employee that you have to train and orient to your, than to have someone who is seasoned and trained and is ready to do the job. And that, Holly, is what this program is about. We're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org, on iTunes, or just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, back to the Caring and Funding Podcast and our host, Ted Hart. And we're back here on the Caring and Funding Podcast, and with me today uh, is Holly Stubbing, who is uh, serving as the interim CEO of a very important organization, E4E Relief. And Holly, you've been helping us understand the historical context, 
the business case that is made for supporting uh, your employees. Um, we talked just briefly about this partnership with CAF America. I want to go into that a little bit more because E4E Relief has all the systems, the data privacy, the ability to provide the support to employees um, of, of all, all sizes of, of employers. Um, and we just talked briefly about taking this beyond the borders of the United States and being able to disperse legally funds around the world. And that's what CAF America is bringing. So how is CAF America helping you expand the reach for corporations that already have an expanded reach? CAF America is central to our strategy to be able to offer relief outside the United States. Uh, we came to CAF America because of your know-how and expertise in working with corporate America in particular, but also your other audiences, high net worth individuals and others, um, in awarding grants outside the U.S. Given the legal and regulatory environments, uh, environs, all the IRS uh, criteria, we wanted to be best in class in working with the corporations that we work with and do this the right way. And we felt like this would extend our reach faster, um, better, uh, and really because we are in the same audience, we share the same um, you know, client base, if you will, there was a, a nice synergy there as well because we, under, we both understand the audience we're serving in a, in a very intimate way. Yeah, because this is uh, you know, one of the things that really impresses us with E for E relief, and, and I think it's a reason that you do so well with corporations, um, is that this is truly an enterprise-level system. This is a corporate-ready system. This isn't, you know, there are some that provide this kind of system, and it's it's almost kind of, you know, bailing twine and, and chewing gum to kind of pull it together at the time of relief. But that's not what a corporation wants. A corporation wants their employees to be communicated with appropriately on a secure system and to not have that data uh, compromised. That's complex to to do that and to maintain that. Talk to us a little bit about. Um, what it has taken for E for E relief to literally become best in class. Thank you for asking about that. It's been um, a real journey for us to work with the largest companies uh, out there who deeply care about this space. And I would say that their um, interest in us, their um, ability to come in and consult and look at our systems has made us better at what we do and has made us best in class. I don't think we would have gotten there without them. Um, I'm not going to mention names of companies, but they are some of the largest companies in the world who have the highest regulatory environments that they're dealing with, and those flow through to their charitable partners and to their vendors. And we are one of those. And what we find is that they, um, they take a look at our systems, they take a look at our policies, our people, our procedures, our physical space, everything you can imagine to try and make sure that their employees' information and their process and their experience is the best it can be. Um, E4E Relief has, has spent the last year investing, really more like 18 months to two years, investing in a new system um, to dramatically uh, shift and change and improve the employee experience um, to recognize some of these unique things about being in disaster, about addressing a person's issues when they're standing in water, uh, when they've lost everything. So there's, a, there's an emotional component. 
there is a, a physical reality. I mean, one of the things that happened with Puerto Rico, for example, was that no one had Internet access, no one had cash, and we had thousands of people in Puerto Rico that we were covering. And so we were nimble. We created a separate disaster command center with 15 bilingual speakers. We set up dedicated Puerto Rico lines. Uh, all of those things allowed us to take grants over the phone. We found creative ways to pay. We ended up paying through uh, Western Union through cash advance because that was the only banks were out of money. So that's an example of sort of being small enough and nimble enough to be able to adjust to a disaster. Um, but you really have to know your stuff to even be able to think about, okay, this is a disaster and, and no two disasters are exactly They are right. not. So every single time that you're called upon by corporations that have had the foresight to put this kind of insurance policy in place to meet the needs of their employees when they are at they're most needy because you're talking about disaster and hardship and they are most stressed and they need a friend. Okay. And, and, yeah. and yes, employers would like to think that they're friendly and would like to have a friendly smiling face, but the reality is, is they also need that employee to get back to work so that they, their corporation can run effectively. And that creates the perfect match for a kind of system that says, we're the insurance policy that's there for you and your employees when you need us most. That's exactly right, and that's really what we set out to do is to create, you know, sort of almost a mutual fund model, if you will, of relief programs to allow for that same best-in-class thinking to be applied as, as many times or as much as possible across that whole set, but recognizing that each disaster may require some adaptation and improvisation, you know, and may require, like Puerto Rico, some thinking on the spot to get people what they need. Um, and the corporations are giving us the flexibility to do that, which I think because they themselves have had to deal with these things. They're going into sites. They're flying to sites. They're seeing that their bank branch is totally gone. Their factory is no longer working. You know, and they're, they're seeing it all. And so this idea of being able to be um, ready to go and have all those best-in-class things but yet be flexible enough to respond is really what it takes to be in the field. Yeah, again, you're talking about the, the essence of an insurance policy that allows you to do the right thing exactly when you need to do it. Uh, we only have a, a few minutes left um, here on this particular podcast, but there's an added benefit. So all the things that we've been talking about here, there's an additional benefit, and, you, and, and I don't want to call out millennials and say that they're the only ones who care, but certainly we – we are all aware of you know, the, the very special energy that younger people bring to the marketplace to bring to uh, an employer. And oftentimes that does have the face of helping each other and wanting and caring about your fellow employee. So once you set this program up, one of the additional benefits is that one employee can make a contribution to the fund knowing that they're going to support their fellow employees, and that's a charitable deduction for that employee or a tax-receded contribution as well. So talk to us about, so you've done all the right things as a corporation. You've put that insurance policy in place so that when there's a disaster, you've got best-in-class enterprise-level services available, but at the same time, your, every single one of your employees can also participate. Tell us how they do that. So one of the key things of setting up these programs is determining um, and modeling out how much you really need to make them effective. And so thinking about your fundraising strategy, E3 Relief comes to the table with substantial fundraising experience. 
And so helping a company design a fundraising program that is attractive to its employees and to those people that, that this resonates with, whether they be millennial or whether they be, you know, anyone else. A little bit more seasoned, maybe. Yes, yes. Um, what I would say is that there are real people behind each of these stories. And the partnership with CAF America and in the program itself offers a way for colleagues to support colleagues, for CEOs to support line workers, for line workers to support other line workers. I mean, it is a... And for the corporation to support everyone. That's right. And it furthers the reach of, of the company. And I would go far as saying it furthers the reach of E4E Relief and CAF America. Um, because it allows us to be in a space um, and continue to provide humanitarian aid across the world in a way that satisfies the people that we work with every That's day. Right. Holly, I, I cannot thank you enough for bringing this program to our podcast, helping people understand something that is very complex but absolutely possible, something that, that is so easy to get wrong but so easy in working with E4E Relief to get right. So as we wrap up this podcast, please share uh, with our listeners how they can reach you and E4E Relief if they're interested in this kind of program. Great. Um, you can visit our website at e4erelief.org, and it shares um, in-depth kind of how to design a program and how to reach our team and talk to us about opening a program. We would love to and, speak And, Holly, when you say E4E Relief, that's the, the, the letter, e, letter E, the number, number four, four, the letter E, relief.org. And you may also call our office um, at 704-973-4500, um, and we would love to speak to you about it. And we have been here with uh, Holly Stubbing, a nationally recognized expert and uh, the interim CEO for E4E Relief, partner with CAF America, now providing both domestic and global services for employers who are looking to provide employee disaster and hardship relief. And this has been the Care and Funding Podcast. You've been listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast, powered by CAF America. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our archives Sign up for our free newsletter and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at cafamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast.